Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. I'm the co-host of this program, but the other co-host is still not here. He's been gone since the beginning of May. Don't worry, everything's fine. I just talked to him this morning. He's still alive. We're still friends. He's still a part of the podcast. He's just been traveling. I will tell you, he is officially back from Spain and Portugal. He went to Spain and Portugal, and he was gone for a while. And he is back in, uh, he's in Florida right now doing some business conferences for the other side of the business world that uh, that we're in. So Charlie is not here today. You've just got me, and we've got a few fun topics to talk about. I hope everyone had a great Mother's Day over the weekend. Um, I had a good time, went and uh, saw my mom and my stepmom and had a great time with both sides of those family. There's fine people on both sides of my family. We had a good time, shot some guns with my brother. That was a good time. Anytime you can just shoot two, 300 bucks worth of metal out of some tubes, it's really fun. And we hit some targets, did some pew pew. It was a, it was a good weekend for sure. All right. The first thing we'll start with, now we'll be talking about Biden's comments, of course, on white supremacy and the terrorist threat, as everyone else is. Um, won't go too far into that, but we'll talk about how much of a threat this actually is. And we'll talk about the Patriot Front group that was marching yet again in Washington. They're definitely for real. They're not feds at all. We know that. The first thing I wanted to go through and we'll see what else we have time for after those main topics. But I saw this Miller Lite commercial making its rounds. Now, you know what happened with Bud Light, okay? It's been really bad for Bud Light this year. Not, not good. Not good. Miller Lite has this ad out. And from what I was reading, this was made a couple months ago. It was actually made, of course, before uh, the whole Dylan Mulvaney thing happened I don't know that this has officially been released or if this is some kind of a leak, but I'm going to play the ad and you decide whether or not they're making a good business decision, decision if this is really what they're going to go with. Here's a little known fact. Women were among the very first to brew beer ever. From Mesopotamia to the Middle Ages to colonial America, women were the ones doing the brewing. Centuries later, how did the industry pay homage to the founding mothers of beer? They put us in bikinis. Wow. Look at this shit. Wild. It's time beer made it up to women. So today, Miller Lite is on a mission to clean up not just their shit, but the whole beer industry's shit. Miller Lite has been scouring the internet for all this shit and buying it back so that they can turn it into good shit for women brewers. Literally, good shit. How, you ask? Ladies, take it away. First, we turn the bad shit into compost. Then we feed compost to worms. Push out beautiful fertilizer. That good shit helps farmers grow quality hops. Which is then donated to women brewers to make their own really good shit. But there's definitely more shit out there. In your attic, in the garage, in your parents' basement. Send any shit you got into Miller Lite and they'll turn that into good shit too. So here's to women, because without us, there would be no beer. 
Okay. Here's to women because without us, there would be no beer. Now, in, in case you're just listening and you didn't see the actual ad here, what the what it, what it looks like they're doing. This ad is basically about how they're buying back their old ads where they were objectifying women, I guess. You know, your bikini photo shoots and stuff like that. Looks like they're composting and then they are giving this back to women brewers or growers or what. I Honestly, I don't know what it's about. I really don't know what's going on. Uh, that's kind of what... That's kind of what it seems like. And then it's all talking about how, well, without women, we wouldn't have beer. And that could very well be true. I did, I did just want to point out this one little thing. All right. First off, this is not a great idea for them if they are actually going to go with this. Bud Light is already, no, I didn't make this up. Okay. I'm repeat. I am, I'm reporting from the ground. Okay. This is my job as a, uh, as a journalist. All right. Definitely. Bud Light already easily known as queer beer. I didn't make it up, okay? That's just what the kids are calling it these days. All right? That's not my decision. That's with other people because I don't even drink, okay? All right, that's still what it's known as, uh, what it's always been known as. It's a great name, okay? Now, this is just going to be, I, I don't have a catchy name for it, but now Miller Lite, I guess they want to be the women's beer of some kind. We can make up a name for that. Secondly, What's a woman? I don't even know how Miller Lite solved this rubric. We don't. We, we don't even. We don't even know those kinds of things. They, I'm sure they got enough money to employ a lot of biologists. That's fine. Uh, the other. The other weird situation here is without us, we without women, we wouldn't have beer. Now I'm not an expert on this topic, but there was this whole prohibition thing where people weren't allowed to drink alcohol for a while. And I'm just saying that the available literature I have on the subject, it seems like women were leading the charge in this temperance movement. The women feminist actually led the charge on the 18th Amendment that actually made it illegal for the alcohol. Isn't that weird? Now, like I said, I'm not an expert on the issue. What I am going to do is I'm going to put a link to this Time magazine, this Time article that's called The Surprisingly Complex Link Between Prohibition and Women's Rights. We'll just put that in there. I'm no, I'm no expert on this, uh, on this subject matter. And then we'll move on to the next thing. Okay, the Patriot Front. I'm sure you all saw all of the... Uh, all the videos going around and all of the wild, wild accusations, right? I mean, just crazy accusations of these people being feds. Approximately 150 to 200 individuals identified as the Patriot Front and recognized as a right-wing organization is advancing towards the U.S. Capitol and D.C. Numerous Metro D.C. police officers escorting them as they are working to maintain a separation between this group and any counter-protesters. Doesn't seem to be a lot of counter-protesters. Now, I've seen times where there are counter-protesters out there, and it doesn't always go very well. I've seen counter-protesters for things that weren't just blatant white supremacist 
Nazis out there marching, but uh, but not any for these. No Antifa out here stopping them, throwing things at them. Nothing like that. They're just allowed to peacefully march around Washington. And let's play the video. And with a police escort, I guess that comes with your permit. I don't know if you pay extra for that. If it's included because you guys are all on the same payroll. I don't really know what the deal is. There's a drum. Someone got a snare drum out there. So everyone wearing blue shirts. They just took off their FBI vest and khaki pants. Everyone wearing masks, sunglasses, hats. Can't see their faces. And then just followed by police officers on, on bikes. I think the reason that they don't attract too many counter-protests is that, as I've seen online, people don't want to get in trouble for assaulting federal officers. Now, listen, uh, we, can, we make the jokes about them being feds. It's important to note that, okay, we don't for sure know that these are a bunch of feds, do we? we let's just be honest about it. We don't know that 100% unless you're... Unless you're in your group. Maybe if you're in their group, you know that. I'm fine with admitting that I don't for sure know that these are feds. Here's them going back to the uh, subway. Going down to the train. So they're going back on the train. I don't know if you've seen the videos of them riding on the trains where they're going. It's just them. There's no one else down there. That's a, a, a rare case where... These police have just blocked off the entrance to the train station. I'm just going to allow them to take their own trains. Totally normal behavior, I think. Now, the whole hiding their faces thing, I, I go back and forth on it. They're exercising their First Amendment rights. They can march around. That's fine. You could say you want to hide your face if you don't want to be targeted by law enforcement or by a mob, or you don't want your friends and family or your coworkers to know uh, who you are and you've got a normal life. Like, okay, let's just be, let's just be as nuanced as possible about this. I think that's okay. There's ridiculous videos like them. Uh, this was actually going around last time uh, they were marching, but this little, I mean, it's so fake to me or it's just a joke. It's gotta be a joke. Life. Liberty, victory. Life, liberty, victory. Wanna check it out? Damn, That's son, that take. might be a cut. That's yeah. a good take right there. See, high, let's go. <laughs> I can say that now that it's over. It seems like something that is made up to me. It seems fake. These people do not seem serious at all. But I don't know. They could be serious. I can't tell you that. Here's a picture of them being arrested. And, of course, as was pointed out online, seems weird that you get all the way to the point where you're in cuffs or you're in zip ties, whatever they call those these days. You're in restraints. You know, well, your gloves are still on. Your, your mask is still on. Your sunglasses are still on. Your hat, everything 
completely covered face still. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the exact police procedure is. See, here I am. Once again, I'll just be humble. I don't know if it's normal for police to leave the sunglasses and hat and face covering on of someone that they are arresting. I'm, I'm not sure. You guys tell me. I'm going to defer to anyone else who is uh, good at this. One of the Krasensteins out there said, instead of making ridiculous allegations that the white supremacy group Patriot Front is really Antifa. Now, I don't think they're Antifa. Antifa, I, I, I don't think that they would have enough restraint to be out there walking in, I mean, terrible lines, but they're kind of walking to the beat of a drum. Unless all the Antifa people are still just feds and uh, they've, they've learned that in training or whatever or that their march was being staged by the FBI or the feds. Why can't we all just admit that there are bad people in this country with bad ideologies? I'll admit that. There are bad people in this country with bad ideologies. We'll even talk about this as if they are actual white supremacists out there. Uh, I don't agree with them. Seems like they've been pretty peaceful so far. Whatever. I think they have a stupid ideology. They have a stupid collectivist ideology. When you look at them, they are literally collectivists. Okay, they just collectivize based on these mutable characteristics. Doesn't make them any better than any other collectivist ideology. Uh, continuing with Ed's tweet here, just because these individuals share some of your similar political views doesn't mean that you can't call them out and accept the fact that some people have misled beliefs. Instead of trying to blame everyone but the white supremacists, how about just being an American, not a Republican or Democrat? The Krasensteins, it's really funny. We were talking about them a few months ago, and they, Ed and the other one, I can't remember his name, just had the dumbest, continuously the dumbest tweets all the time. So terrible to the point that I was about to mute them. Mute them. And then the subscription service was turned on, and Elon Musk subscribed to their subscribed Twitter feed. And from that moment on, they've actually been pretty decent, but they are completely different people than they were before Elon Musk subscribed to their tweets. It's very interesting. You can go back and look before that happened, uh, but whatever, that's, that's fine. So are they feds? Are they not feds? Does that really matter? I do think that it, I do think that it does matter. I do think it's a good idea for us to question things, but always say that we don't know the actual answer. Like, we can call them feds. I'm going to call them feds. That's fine. But I don't actually know the answer at all. And I think a little bit of humility would go a long way in this world. When you look on social media, it's just full of people who just know everything, even though they don't actually know everything. We all make assumptions and we think that we know things. And a lot of times those people turn out to be wrong. So I think some humility, even from my point of view, it would be a good thing right now. Is it possible that these are white supremacists, that they have grouped together and that they are out there marching in Washington with their permit, it looks like, uh, just out there marching? Sure, that's absolutely possible. Is it possible that they're feds? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible that they're feds. Could it be a mixed match? I don't think it's an entire group of feds. That would be a little harder to contain, but what if it's like half fed or like a quarter fed i think that that's very possible i mean we all know that there's at least there's at least like 10 of them in there right we know there's at least 10 feds in there we'll find this out you know like a year later something like that uh but we all know that they're in there because they infiltrate like, all of these groups let's go through a little bit of this history of how they infiltrate these groups 
What about this CoIntel Pro? This uh, 1956 and 1971, okay? This was something that was only found out because someone broke into the office and stole the FBI documentation on this and then released it to the media. That's the only reason that we found out about this and the only reason that it stopped, okay? And then we had that whole church investigation committee. All right, so this is from Britannica, I believe. But the COINTEL Pro um, counterintelligence program conducted by the FBI from 1956 to 1971 to discredit and neutralize organizations considered to be subversive to U.S. political stability. It was covert, often used as extra legal means to criminalize various forms of political struggle. Who all did they wrap up in this? The Communist Party, the Socialist Workers Party, the Puerto Rican Nationalist Party, the Black Panther Party. American Indian Movement, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and the Ku Klux Klan were all people that they were infiltrating with this program. One of the more famous things that we know about uh, was what they tried to do to Martin Luther King Jr., even so far as trying to get him to commit suicide. And then there are some allegations that they did that they were involved in some assassinations out there like uh, like Malcolm X, uh, people like that. I, I don't know. I don't know that for sure. Okay. So we know that they do these types of things. Here's from the, this is from the FBI's actual website, their, their vault. Uh, let's see. It, it began in 1956 to disrupt the activities of the Communist Party. In the 1960s, it was expanded to include a number of other domestic groups, such as the Ku Klux Klan, the Socialist Workers Party, and the Black Panther Party. All COINTELPRO operations were ended in 1971. Okay, so why are we even talking about this? They ended these operations in 1971. Although limited in scope, they say it was a very small percentage of the budget, COINTEL was later rightfully criticized by Congress and the American people for abridging First Amendment rights and for other reasons. Okay. I'm going to play this video that we've played before on the show, uh, but I do think it's it's a very important one. This is um, this is Meet the Press. This is Senator Frank Church in 1975 talking about the intelligence community and what they found uh, from their investigations. And let me skip forward a little bit. There's the dude from Meet the Press, and we'll just switch up to uh, Frank Church talking about the intelligence community. In due course, the committee will pass judgment on those questions. I'm not going to pre-guess the committee or prematurely attempt to pass judgment on this program. But let me tell you this. In the need to develop a capacity to know what potential enemies are doing, the United States government has perfected a technological capability that enables us to monitor the messages that go through the air. Now that is necessary and important to the United States as we look abroad at enemies or potential enemies. At the same time, that capability at any time could be turned around on the American people. And no American would have any privacy left, such as the capability to monitor everything, telephone conversations, telegrams, it doesn't matter. There would be no place to hide. If this government ever became a tyranny, the technological capacity that the intelligence community has given the government could enable it to impose total tyranny. And there would be no way to fight back because the most careful effort 
to combine together in resistance to the government, no matter how privately it was done, is within the reach of the government to know. Such is the capability of this technology. Now, why is this investigation important? I'll tell you why. Because I don't want to see this country ever go across the bridge. I know the capacity that is there to make tyranny total in America. And we must see to it that this agency and all agencies that possess this technology operate within the law and under proper supervision so that we never cross over that abyss. There, that's the abyss from which there is no return. And the FBI. All right, that's a pretty good, pretty good clip. Um, yeah, I am surprised that this has not been scrubbed off of the internet, uh, as Bailey said. Um, I am surprised that this is still out there. I think uh, Senator Frank Church making some good points in that video. I'll put a link to that tweet in our show notes so you can watch that video and play it back to your friends. Uh, maybe give it a retweet, something like that. Uh, I find that to be pretty important. Now, why are we talking about this right now? I do want to point out, as as a lot of people on the left are saying, oh, this is ridiculous to say that this Patriot Front group has anything to do with the feds. These are just white supremacists out there. And as Joe Biden told us, coincidentally, this weekend, uh, white supremacy is our greatest terrorist threat in the U.S. Uh, statistically, that, that, that could be true. I'm not going to totally refute him on that. We'll talk about that next. And so why would you say that these are actually feds out there? You're denying that there's an actual problem. Well, guess what? If they are actual white supremacists out there, this is another boy who cried wolf problem. This is a fault of the feds that we would look at these people and say that they are feds because they have lied to us and gaslit us for a century now, at least half of a century. And so now when we see these things, you have to question it because we know that they would lie to us so they can push whatever their own goals are. So of course you would question it. Why do we question it? Because they've lied to us in the past. And so we could be making up the scenario that these people are feds, but is that our fault for making that up? Or is it their fault that we are questioning the actual narrative that's out there? That's what happens when people lie to you over and over again you end up questioning every single thing that they ever do, like the media, like the government. And we should be questioning what those people in power are doing all the time. Now, we played the video from church. Now, let's just go through some other things. The Intercept had a really long piece uh, about how the FBI paid a violent felon to infiltrate Denver's racial justice movement. So the B during the BLM riots, the FBI was paying people to go into, say, Antifa or the BLM protest and push people to commit violent acts, trying to sell people weapons and things like this so they would actually get out of hand. doesn't mean that that was always the case, but the FBI actually was paying people to make the protest more violent at times when they wouldn't have been. All right? And even if we... We, libertarians, or people listening that are on the right, don't like that idea because it kind of pushes against some of the narrative. It doesn't fully push against the narrative because, once again, you've got the FBI out there, and the FBI, of course, is the government, and we want to defund them. So it's not all the way against. And you got the Gretchen Whitmer plot. Gretchen, Karen Whitmer. That must be a, a typo from BBC right there. FBI agent. Uh, was the bomb maker in the kidnap plot against Gretchen Whitmer. 
Not only was the FBI agent the bomb maker, the people that they were entrapping didn't have money to, to pay the bomb maker, so the FBI actually gave them the money to pay the bomb maker in the first place. This is an, an entire kidnapping plot that was created and financed and pushed by the FBI. Okay? We know that they do things like this. The FBI had informants in the Proud Boys. Court papers suggest here from the New York Times. We've already gone over this article. Okay, Proud Boys, of course, one of the, the biggest culprits in the worst day in American history, which is January 6th. We all, I didn't even have to tell you the date. You already knew what I was talking about. Accused Oath Keepers Capitol writer was working for the FBI. Attorney says, this is actually February 9th, 2021. This is happening pretty quick. People finding out about this. Capital writer worked for the FBI, attorney says. So we know about this already. And let's just not blame it all on the feds. How can we forget the fact that the Lincoln Project, which is this, it's a left wing, it, it positions itself as a Republican organization, basically, but it's a, like a left wing organization with a Republican front uh, that's just against, you know, basically what any Republicans are doing, especially Trump. Uh, for sure. The Lincoln Project actually had members pose as white supremacists at a Virginia GOP event. This is when the camp, the uh, governor race was going on. This is something that people don't talk about a ton. Now, they didn't come out afterwards and say, oh, yeah, yeah that was us. No, they, they, they found that out because these guys, they didn't have those things covering up their entire faces. They just have sunglasses and hats on. So they were able to figure out who some of these people were. And so the Lincoln Project says, oh, yeah, we did that. That was just to make a point about how no, oh, you guys got caught. You were literally trying to make it look like there were white supremacists out there protecting the bus of Glenn Youngkin and tie Glenn Youngkin with white supremacists carrying tiki torches. And it turned out it was just the Lincoln Project doing it. And so when we see stories like these Patriot Front groups, and we're like, ah, oh, yeah, they're feds. There's something off about this. Well, I, can, I can't guarantee you that these are all feds. I can essentially guarantee you that some of them are feds. We'll find out about that eventually, I'm sure, but can't everyone agree? Some of these people are feds out there, and it's probably the guy that bought them all of the blue shirts and the khaki pants, I'm betting, and the shields and the face masks and all that. You can trace us back. Just look at wherever the order's been coming from. It's a, as good a time as any for me to mention that you should go to Converso, download the app on your cellular device, go to the link in the show notes, hit me up on Converso. All right, end-to-end -end encryption, no messages stored on the server. And by the way, you can send messages and delete them from not just your device, but it deletes it from the other person's device as well. That's pretty cool. And you can block people from taking screenshots. That's pretty cool as well. So go to Converso. The future of privacy is here. That's what it says at the top of her page. I'm just going to say it like that. Untraceable communication. Hit us up on there. All right. Now, why does any of this matter? Does it actually matter if these people are feds? Well, it kind of does because it spins this narrative that there's this massive white supremacy problem in the U.S. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't any white supremacists in the U.S. I'm not saying that there's no white supremacist violence in the U.S., but wouldn't it be beneficial for us to know if for some reason the federal government 
somewhere there in the bureaucracy, they are actually financing these people to dress up and present themselves as white supremacists to march around and make this problem look way worse than what it actually is. Sounds like it's an important thing to know. That's why I think that story matters. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I want you to think about this. Really think about the answer to this question. In the past week, how much time did you spend on yourself, on things that you needed and wanted versus the amount of time you spent on other people and what they wanted and what they needed? It's easy to get caught up worrying about everyone else and what makes them happy. And then a couple months go by and you're like, whoa, what about me? Not that it's wrong to, to want to help people. We should want to help people. But therapy can help you strike a better balance in your life so you can continue being a great friend or a great family member without getting stretched thin and burned out. My life was changed because I chose to go to therapy and our co-host Charlie has been a BetterHelp customer for years and he loves it. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, flexible, and convenient. Just fill out a few questions on the website. You get matched with a licensed therapist and you can even switch therapists at any time for no charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. Now, at the same time, weirdly, we had these people marching in Washington and we had this Biden speech that everyone's talking about today. Basically, all the podcasts are talking about this today. We're just going to play the quick clip that everyone's talking about and then we'll talk about the uh, the real numbers and let's find it. Here we go. All right, Biden. Go. So stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. And I'm not saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I say it wherever I go. It, you are saying it because of the, uh, the place that you're at, just so you know. It, and you said that you weren't saying it because of that, because you knew that it was obvious that that's the reason that you were saying it. Okay. He, in fact, had not said this at all the previous speeches, and I don't know if he said anything about it recently. That's literally why you decided to say this, but whatever. Okay. We'll just act like that's not uh, part of the problem. It annoys me when politicians do this. Okay, this is it's very obvious and it should be obvious to everyone. But essentially what he's saying is don't don't pay attention to the economy. Don't pay attention to the border. If that's a thing that you're worried about, don't pay attention to this failed effort we've had in Ukraine and how close we could be to World War Three. Pay attention to. White supremacy. That's the thing, because there is an election coming up and he's got to make sure that people have something to be afraid of and they can't focus on any of the failures of his administration or things that are bad that have happened while he has been the president. Not just going to lay it all at his feet. But this is a smart thing, but a terrible thing that politicians do because as human beings, we're kind of attuned to all the threats that are around us, that's how we that's how we stay alive. We think about the threats that are around us and are of of all the things, like all the previous things I mentioned, the, the number one thing always has to be physical safety. I mean, we you don't just want to get killed. You don't want to fall off of a cliff. You don't want to fall down the stairs when you're going down the stairs. Like we pay attention to physical safety. Because without that, we can't pay attention to any of the other things. 
And so to get you to stop worrying about all the other things, you have to be told that there is a there's an imminent threat to your physical safety. And as a human being, with our brain wired the way it is, you're going to put the other things on the back burner because there's an immediate threat to your physical safety. And once that threat is gone, then we can talk about the other things. And that's why politicians do this. It's not just people on the left. Clearly, it's people on the right, too. That's how we get into all the wars that we have. That's why wars are pretty popular normally for a president to get us into. Because when you create this perceived threat, well, it's the number one thing that we have to worry about. If he's, uh, if he's at least keeping us safe from this thing, well, then he's doing a pretty good job. I don't want to die, you know. And that's, that's why they do this. And you can take the focus off of all of the other problems that people have. And so then you, you push people's focus over to white supremacy. Like I said earlier, it's not as if white supremacy doesn't exist or there isn't domestic terrorism going on in the U.S. It's clearly a thing. We all know that. First off, I'll look at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, CSIS. This is a Washington, D.C. think tank policy, statistic, numbers, give us your money and we'll tell you what you should do with laws, stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about. This is from an entry called The War Comes Home, The Evolution of Domestic Terrorism in the United States. Evil doors have come home. Defining terrorism. Now, this is important. When we talk about the white supremacist terrorist threat, it's important to say it that way. When you say white supremacist terrorist threat, well, then you you have to only be looking at the category of terrorism. And you say, this is the greatest terrorist threat that we have facing our nation. When he says that, it's actually from like all of the data that I can find, True, if you actually categorize it the way he's talking about, okay, and you look at all of the data, you have to look at terrorist threat. You can't just look at the threat to people's lives, okay? Let's look at this defining terrorism. Now, this specific report focuses on terrorism, not other issues, such as hate crimes, protests, riots, or broader civil unrest. So the numbers coming from this think tank do not include things like protests or riots because terrorism is the deliberate use or threat of violence by non-state actors in order to achieve political goals and create a broad psychological impact. So protests and riots are excluded from this, even though I, I do think you could argue that those are a threat or deliberate use of violence in order to achieve political goals. Is that, is that not true? It seems like that would fit. So when you do this, you actually cut out a lot of the things that we would, <clears throat> that we would consider far-left extremism because a lot of these things happened in riots and protests, right? And so then those aren't counted. Then you look at the, the graphs, the charts and graphs, you see this really big blue bar right there. Well, that's the violent far right constituting 40%. Ooh, interesting way that they word this. Terrorist attacks and plots by perpetrator orientation. So not just attacks, it also includes plots. 
Now, it does not separate out how many of these plots were actually created by the FBI. And that's an annoying one right there because it would probably be one of the bigger bars on this chart. All right, let's go to targets of violent far-right terrorist attacks and plots. Here's where it gets really interesting to me. This big 50% cut that we have, those are demonstrators that were targets of violent far-right terrorist attacks, meaning you were protesters or people that were out demonstrating in the street. Well, half of the far-right terrorist attacks and plots were those people. Now, what's interesting is those people aren't included in any of the far-left terrorism statistics because they don't count any protests or riots in their terrorism statistics. But if anyone on the right decided to create a plot against any of those demonstrators, could have been rioters, could have been something bad going on, then you're counted on the far-right terrorism spectrum, but not the not the people on the left. I thought that was pretty interesting. Now let's look at the actual numbers real quick. This is from the Anti-Defamation League. Well-respected terrorist-watching organization. These are numbers in domestic extremist-related killings in the U.S. by year. This is not a specific right or left anything. These are just extremist-related killings. Not even specific, specifically white supremacist which is just easily getting tied into far right, by the way. They're just saying, well, white supremacists, and then we say far right, and then those are the same thing, apparently. That's just, we've, we've allowed that to happen, but whatever. As you can see, 2020 and 2021, like you got 23 in 2020, you got 29 in 2021. Numbers are actually higher when you go back to 2019, 2018, you got 46, 55. I think in 2022, I saw the most recent number and it was right at, it was right at 25 that they say were from some type of domestic extremism. 25 people, 25 people died. That's, I don't, I'm against death. We haven't mentioned that here in a while, but I'm against death. I think a lot of you people that are listening right now are probably against death as well. So I don't like those. But I also, this is a tough conversation to have with people sometimes because it sounds like you don't care. But it is always important to have the proper context, like to contextualize things that you should be afraid of or in relation to all of the other things. 25 people in 2022. And there were around 26,000 homicides. We'll use the homicide number. So in, in decimal form, that's 0.0009 or basically one one-thousandth. One one-thousandth of the homicides were domestic extremist-related killings. Or said another way, for every one person that was killed in a domestic extremist-related killing, there were then 999 people killed in other ways that people were, were murdered. And then we have to worry, we got to get people upset about that, that one, the one person, and not the other 999. And those are the ways that people actually get murdered. Like, if you're going to be murdered, well, domestic extremism is not really one of the things that you need to be worried about, okay? I'm, I mean, I'm like this with a lot of things. You guys probably have things that you take out of context. Someone in the group, tell me something that you're, um, tell me, 
Tell me something that you would take out of context and be afraid of. Like for me, when I go to the beach, I'm terrified of sharks. Terrified of sharks. People don't really get killed by sharks all that often, right? Like it's not, it's not a thing that happens a lot, all right? I'm terrified of flying. Absolutely hate flying. I actually have to make peace with the fact that in my mind, there's a good chance I'm about to die when I take off. I actually have to make peace with it. I make peace with myself and my life every time I'm in a plane that's taking off. It makes no sense statistically whatsoever. I know that. I get it. I know that. Roller coasters, people have died on those before. I can't do that. Now, the thousands upon the ratio is heavily in the favor of not dying on the roller coaster. We all know that, but mm mm-mm. What about something that I just encountered? We were talking about, uh, I was talking about my wife, like getting getting killed while you're on vacation in some kind of a tropical island in a, in a country that's kind of, uh, uh, you know, not the maybe safest place. Like if there's a, if there's an island and, and one American tourist gets killed, it's just, it's like the end of people traveling to that island. But if you contextualize it really well, there were like a million people went there. And one person got murdered. It was going, and then probably did something stupid. Okay, not that that's always the case. And then people just don't want to go there anymore. It doesn't make any sense, does it? What do we have in the group here? I'm just talking on taking Nate on the road coaster. Um, oh gosh, DD two fourteen. I'm. That's the kind of speech that I'm considering banning in this group right there. I don't even know if I can repeat it on air, okay? I will, just so you guys don't think it's something crazy. Spiders crawling into your ears when you're sleeping. Huh. That's awful. Okay. Tom says snakes. Okay. Don't think about... Magoo says don't think about all the people who have died while podcasting. There's probably a couple of them, right? Has to be. Has to be. Not as many people that have died uh, while taking selfies, though. That's super dangerous. My brother says quicksand. Quicksand seems dangerous, I'm sure. <laughs> Costco, extremely correct. Right there. Or a swatting. Am I worried about a swatting right now? Not really, but those could be pretty dangerous. Am I worried about a mass shooting? No, not really. Anyway, the point being... When the president goes out there, sorry, we, we really went off the rails there for a second. When the president of the United States goes out there and makes a speech and is talking about racism and white supremacy and talking about this being the number one threat. Now, he says the number one terrorist threat. There's not that many terrorist threats, by the way, and it's an extremely, extremely small percentage of the homicides that occur every year. One one thousandth of the homicides that occur every year. But there's a whole group of people that are listening to that and then watch the videos online, and they think that this is something that we need to be worried about. And the plain fact of the matter is, it's not. And in fact, the more the government tries to do things about it, the more domestic terrorists they're going to create. It's interesting that we'll, a lot of us will admit this now, And even people on the left will admit, well, when you try to kill these terrorists overseas for every time, 
every terrorist you kill, you got two or three more pop up in their place. It probably goes the same way for your domestic terrorists as well. I would say when you are someone who is committed to an ideology and that is what's being pushed, I think that's going to be the same thing. So always remember why they are doing this to round this out. Why is Biden out there talking about these domestic terrorists and these white supremacists? One, he was at a black college, okay, and he was trying to pave over the fact that if they knew anything, anyone or their parents or their some of their grandparents, will just say parents, were like in prison or anything for drugs, that it was probably Joe Biden who put them there. You got to pave over that. So he wants to make sure that he wants he wants to come across as someone who really, really cares about the plight of the minority. And so he's talking about white supremacist, extremist, domestic terrorism, which is something that we should not be worrying about. And that is because he does not want you to worry, one, about his actual record. You can't talk about that. You don't want to talk about the economy. He doesn't want to talk about the border right now. He doesn't want to talk about this failed war that's going on. He doesn't want to talk about a son, Hunter, or whether or not he was receiving kickbacks or whether or not he actually interfered in the presidential election or the government actually interfered on his behalf. We don't want to talk about that. Let's just find something to trigger your instinctual need to protect yourself physically. And I'm going to give you this potential physical harm that you could be worried about. In my case, it's like a shark attack, something like that. Um, and in the case of standing in front of a room uh, full of uh, black college students, well, it's those white supremacists. Don't worry about anything else. Folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, even though it was just me talking by myself for 45 minutes, holy crap, how does that even happen? Well, make sure you subscribe, make sure you follow. Make sure you go to joingml.com and join the Fed Haters Club so you can hang out with these fine individuals in the group that are all talking and commenting. And I, I try to read it when it's just me, but it is, it is more difficult when it's just me here. Charlie will be back. Um hopefully for Dumb Leap of the Week. And as I mentioned to some of the Fed Haters Club out there, uh, this should be our last week in the studio, so things are about to get uh, stressful for a little bit while we are setting up our, our new studio. But we'll be here every day of the week when we want to. If you subscribe, follow, retweet, tell a friend, tell a family member, do all those things, we'll be right back here again. Same Liberty time, which is whenever I want, and same Liberty channel. Good morning, Liberty. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.